2: put The spring back into your step and into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45 percent. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com rules and restrictions may apply.
1: From KMOX Sports, okay, boys. Here we go. Welcome to the Gray Bar Sports Open Line. Those mid swings, and he hits a drive. He hits a spammer. Gray Bar, your distributor for electrical and datacom needs. Here we yeah. go now. Matt on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. All right, man, let's get going here. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Let's go.
3: On a Thursday evening, we do welcome you in to a full two-hour edition of Sports Open Line, a Graybar Sports Open Line right here on KMOX. Glad to have you with us. Taking until 8 o'clock. A lot of Cardinal stuff to get to today. Uh, We didn't do that much of an extra inning show today. Sometimes we shorten those up a little bit uh, after day games, knowing that we're going to have a full two-hour sports open line. Plus, in case you haven't been paying attention, there's been a little bit of news here in uh, St. Louis uh, today. Uh, So we'll uh, be taking your phone calls, your text messages, and your tweets throughout the course of the program. If you want to call or text, you do so by... uh, Calling, texting, 314-436-7900. That's 314-436-7900. You can also tweet at me at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. That's how you get in contact with the program. On the show today, in about 10 minutes, we're going to be joined by uh, Sam Dykstra. He covers uh, the minor leagues for uh, MLB Pipeline. We'll get his thoughts on some things going on throughout the Cardinals minor league system. Uh, We're going to hear from uh, Tony Husband later on this hour. He's going to be on the call on uh, MLS season pass of the City SC matchup this upcoming weekend. And then next hour, you are not going to want to miss this. In about an hour and 10 minutes, the secret weapon is going to join us. One of the newest members of the Cardinals Hall of Fame just selected for induction yesterday. Jose Oquendo is set to join us at 7.20 this evening. Uh, As mentioned, we'll take your phone calls, your text messages, and your tweets on the Cardinals. Uh, We'll get into a couple other things as well, including this crazy situation involving the Alabama baseball team. I never thought that I'd be talking about Alabama baseball on, on sports open line, but uh, they fired their coach. There are some major accusations when it comes to sports gambling and the coach being involved and in giving inside information to people at sports books, like this is a really, really interesting story uh, taking place inside of the SEC. so we'll get into that coming up in just a little while as well. General thoughts on the Cardinals, I don't I, I'm out of answers. I am just out of answers. i'm I'm breaking some of my own rules here. Like I've got the rule that i I don't like I don't like when callers call in to complain about something. But then don't have an answer for it, but that's kind of where I'm at right now. I don't have an answer. I know I, I feel like I'm in a minority here. Maybe it's a maybe it's a vocal minority that's coming in the other direction. I don't think Oliver Marmol is the problem. I just don't. You you could fire him tomorrow. You probably get a little bit of like you fire him. You make Joe McEwing the new manager. You probably get a little bit of a bump because that always happens when you make a coaching change, you make a managerial change for the first like two weeks, you're going to win a few more games. You're going to play better baseball. You're going to do that sort of stuff. All the people who are calling for Marmol to get fired are going to be righteously indignant and in calling this call program and texting and saying, see, I told you so. And then in two weeks, it's going to look exactly the same. Like there's a, there, it doesn't change anything. I don't think, um, that being said, like what, what are the answers to get this thing right? I don't know. I don't know. And I, I maybe this team is not as talented as we thought they were going into the year, but at the same time, they're still more talented than any other team in the NL Central. I think maybe my big takeaway from all this is when you look at the upper echelon of the National League, I didn't think the Cardinals were in like that A group. But I thought they were just on the outside looking in. It almost felt like, you know, going, and I know the records don't totally follow up with what I'm saying here, but when the season got started, it felt like in that A group, you had the Braves and the Phillies and the Mets and the Dodgers and the Padres. And then in the B group, you had maybe the Cardinals all alone, maybe the Cardinals and Giants. And then in the C group, you had everybody else. That's how I would have evaluated the National League going into the year. And I thought the Cardinals are pretty good, but I don't feel great about their chances in the playoffs against any of those teams in the A group. But at the same time, they've positioned themselves to be able to make some moves at the deadline and they can make maybe they can move themselves kind of into that group. My big takeaway through this whole thing, I still think they're the most talented team in the NL Central. But... They, they, they—they're not—they're further away from those A group teams that I mentioned than I think anybody expected. I think we maybe have overvalued some of the talent on this team. I think we maybe undervalued the clubhouse impact of some of the players that have been around. And you know, we talk about Yadier Molina, and people always bring up the point that you know Molina was kind of a part-time player last year. Uh, he he wasn't around for a while. At one point, he left the team to go watch his basketball team play, things like that. And, and I get why I get why people bring that up. The moment we talk about Molina having such a positive impact on on the clubhouse, I think Molina was one of those guys who made sure everybody played with an edge. And I don't know if they have that right now. And. Quite honestly, I think that has to come from players now. When when Tony La Russa was managing, La Russa was really good at making sure that teams played with an edge. That doesn't work with today's athlete. That doesn't work with today's players. Uh, Tony La Russa didn't work in Chicago with the White Sox, I think partially because of his age. But even if you would have taken La Russa kind of more in his prime, I don't know if that works in today's baseball completely. But I do think having somebody who can push you to just grind it out and always play with an edge, I think that's helpful to have. I think that comes more from players, what comes from inside the clubhouse, as opposed from your direct leadership. And as I look at this team and look at some of the areas where they seem to be lacking, that's one of them that I, I kind of potentially identify. And I don't know how right and how wrong I am on this, there's a lot of things that go on behind closed doors that I'm not privy to. I've had some social media conversations with people who are trying to claim that the Cardinals are quitting and they're not playing for their manager. I think Cardinals players believe in their manager. I do. I think I think Oliver Marmel has a good relationship with players. I think he's a, a player's manager for the most part, while at the same time uh, holding guys accountable and um, being very blunt. And, and you can be blunt, and athletes can appreciate that. There's a lot of problems with this team. I'm having a really, really hard time right now finding uh, f- knowing what what you can change. You can change players. But what players can you really go add at this point that are going to be impact players? So we'll continue that conversation throughout the course of the program. Again, we are taking you until 8 o'clock this evening. But uh, on the way next, we're going to be joined by Sam Dykstra. He's part of the team over at MLB Pipeline. We'll get his thoughts on some of the uh, Cardinals' top 30 prospects and uh, what to expect from them moving forward as we continue on with the Gray Bar Sports Open line after this, right here on KMOX.
2: Put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop blinds.com right now and save up to forty-five percent. Up to forty-five percent off for a limited time at blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. The Great Bar Sports
3: Open Line does continue right here on KMOX. Coming up later on, we'll be taking your uh, phone calls, text messages, and tweets. The uh, we're right, getting a lot of text messages in, and it is uh, overwhelming. People are not happy with Cardinals manager Oliver Marmel. We will continue to uh, discuss that coming up later on in the program. Cardinals lose today to the Angels 11-7. They have now lost six straight games, and the Tigers are in town for a three-game series starting tomorrow. We'll step away from the current Cardinals and talk a little bit about the future Cardinals as we're very happy to welcome onto the program a reporter with uh, MLB Pipeline. He is Sam Dykes. You follow him on Twitter at Sam Dykstra, M-I-L-B. Sam, thanks for taking some time with us today. How are you?
4: Good, good. Thanks so much for having me. And, yeah, I wish I was joining you guys at a – happier time in St. Louis, but yeah, glad to be here.
3: Well, at least from a prospect standpoint, a lot of people are excited about what is just about here. One one got here, went away, and will be back at some point in the relatively near future. That's Jordan Walker. What's been your takeaway on him getting to the big leagues, having such a big impact, and then all of a sudden uh, he, he starts striking out a ton. He starts uh, a lot of ground outs. They did not like his ground ball rate. He's at Memphis. He's clearly working on some things. The numbers have not been very very good. We know what kind of talent this guy is, but certainly has been a, kind of a herky jerky start to uh, 2023 for uh, Jordan Walker.
4: Yeah, I think there's a lot of factors that go into Jordan Walker. But one thing that I'll keep coming back to with him is he's, he's 20 years old. He's turning 21 at the end of this month. He needed to go through some of those growing pains. I know starting out the year with that incredible hitting streak kind of set the expectation that, oh, this guy's ready now. But if you look back to last year, some of the rookies who came up, your Adley Rutchmans, your Julio Rodriguez's, your Bobby Witt Jr.'s, all of those guys struggled, and they were allowed the playing time to work through those struggles and come out the other side as really special talents. Jordan Walker wasn't really afforded that opportunity, and I think that's for two reasons. One, the Cardinals have outfield options. I mean, they were trying to get playing time for guys like Dylan Carlson and Tyler O'Neill and Lars Newbar and Alec Burleson, who's another rookie on their team those other guys didn't have those situations. Those teams carved out places for those guys to, you know, fail a little bit and then get over that hump. And with Jordan Walker, the other big thing is the defense, right? Like you look at some of the advanced metrics, the outs above average. He was by some measures, the worst defensive outfielder in major league baseball, but he's still a guy transitioning from third base to the outfield. When I saw him last year in the AFL, he was somebody who was getting used to that position, trying to find his roots. Again, I think he just needed to, get playing time in the majors to see that happen but the Cardinals you know got a little impatient and sent him down and that's tough to do with it with such a primo talent because I bet he thought when he made the opening day roster he was there to stick I still think he's one of the best talented minor leaguers in the game right now one of the best prospects we have in baseball uh, I still expect him to hit his ceiling at some point but this is You know, kind of an unfortunate misstep very early in his career.
3: Yeah, so you've watched prospects a lot. Do you feel like comparing the idea of just playing him at the big leagues and letting him take his lumps versus going to the minor leagues where he's able to more explicitly work on things? Is there one of those two options that's better in terms of accelerating uh, the
4: progression? Yeah, I think there's nothing better than getting used to the major leagues than playing in the major leagues. I mean, but that's easy for me to say. I mean, using those examples that I used, Adley Rutschman last year on the Orioles, they had space for him. They were not trying to compete necessarily last year. They were surprised to him. They were him. They almost made the postseason, but they were like, hey, listen, we're in it with you through the end. The Cardinals certainly didn't expect to be where they are now, but they didn't expect to be struggling either. They thought Jordan Walker was going to hit the ground running and he was going to have a short leash because if it doesn't work, they have other options. So if it were me, I would just let him take his lumps. He's done this before. He's met every level he's been at. They skipped him over AAA, but even then, I think it was because he was ready. He showed that in the spring. He just needed the playing time. Um, so, you know, I hope he gets it again soon. Even if he, the numbers aren't there in Memphis, I think this is a, a little bit of a down period because guys who are six foot six have the power that he does and can put the bat on the ball like he can. Those guys don't grow on trees. They're difficult to find. And he has as great a ceiling as anybody in that outfield that St. Louis can use right now.
3: Yeah, so you look at the outfield group right now, you kind of have the established, somewhat established guys. A couple of them are still fairly young with Dylan Carlson and, and Lars Newtbar and Tyler O'Neill out there as well. But then you have this young group where Walker is in there even though he's not here, Juan Yepes is in that group, and then Alec Burleson, who, who you mentioned. When, when you think about those three guys particularly, Walker, Burleson, and, and Yepes, do you like sort of this this
4: next generation of Cardinals outfielders? I mean, there's, I think there's something to like about all three, and the thing about them is that they are all hit-first types, which is good to have. I mean, those guys can hit. Alec Burleson, by some measure, was the best hitter in AAA last year, not just for the Cardinals, but, like, at the entire level. Um, Juan Yepes had a breakout year two years ago. You know, was up and down a little bit last year, but he can be a really good bat himself. It's just you need to complement those guys with guys who can actually play center field, who can cover lots of ground, who know what routes to run and how to get to a ball directly because all three right now are subpar defenders. Um, so they're good to have as kind of a second unit or, in Jordan Walker's case, put them in right field and, and get some better fielders for center and left. Um, but it's tough to say, like, those, that's the next generation that all three of those can be starting because that's a difficult group to swallow, at least defensively.
3: Four of the five top prospects in the organization are all at AAA with Walker, Mason Wynn, Gordon Grisefo, and Matthew Libertor. It feels like Libertor is going to get a chance again at the big league level sooner than later. But there's a lot of reason for Cardinal fans to be excited about. Again, I, I use that term next generation. There's a lot of talent that's just sitting there right at the doorstep.
4: Yeah. And you mentioned Libertor. I mean, I really do hope he gets a next opportunity soon because uh, following his first couple weeks, I mean, he's been one of the most surprising arms at Triple A in a good way. And I, it, he was somebody last year who I think struggled with velocity. Yeah, he could kick it up to 97, 98 occasionally, but he was sitting much lower than that normally. Now, all of a sudden, he's sitting around 94, 95. He's found that next gear of the fastball. His curveball is just as good as ever. I, I thought coming into the year, he's somebody who should just spam the curveball and just lean heavily on that because it was his one true plus pitch but now the fastball velocity is getting there too. He certainly earned an opportunity to start for St. Louis. I know right now he's scheduled to be the starter for Memphis on Saturday, uh, but if this velo holds and it, it tells, you know, start in and start out for Memphis so far through these first five weeks of the season, um, he's got, you know, middle rotation potential again, and he's only 23. I mean, he's not turning 24 until the off season there. The velo that is there now could be there to last as he continues to fill out. And, get comfortable in his body. And I think he's there now. So he could certainly be a number three, number four guy for them very quickly. Once he does get that call.
3: One of my pet peeves is a guy like Libertor. He was a highly rated prospect last year gets to the big leagues, it doesn't work out for him last season, and a lot of fans kind of throw guys away, and I repeat over and over and over that development doesn't stop just because you walk into a major league clubhouse for the first time. Do you share that frustration sometimes with fans that a guy will make their major league debut, it doesn't go so well, and then all of a sudden fans kind of wash their hands of him?
4: Yeah, I mean, that's easy to do. I mean, we've all been in that spot of like, where where are you mostly going to see a guy? It's in the major leagues, but with somebody like Libertor, who I, you know, who I mentioned just turned 23 in the off season. I always look at age. I mean, if, if Matthew Libertor had never seen the major leagues right now was 23 years old at triple a pitching like he is, we would think this guy's a great pitching prospect. Uh, and, you know, I can't wait to see what he can do in his debut. Now we've seen it, but like I said, like the velocity is picked up again, because he's so young, he still has something to add. He was not a finished product by any means when he debuted for the Cardinals and, you know, he's still finishing that stuff off. I think the slider can still maybe get there. I think he's working on the changeup. Uh, he can have four potential pitches. And at that point, he's a really exciting starter. Even if you guys haven't seen it at the major leagues, trust me, he's putting in the work at AAA and by the time he makes it, I think he's going to be much more well-rounded than the last time he saw him.
3: Let me finish you off with this. Mason Wynn was as impressive as anybody during spring training this year. It's been an up-and-down time for him at AAA. He's a very young guy. He keeps coming up with big games. A couple games ago, he had a 3-for-5. Uh, yesterday, I believe it was, or maybe it was earlier today. Yeah, Earlier today, he has a 2-for-3 in there that included uh, a triple. We know about his throwing arm and what he can do over the first. It. This is a guy that's worth being excited about, right?
4: Oh, totally, yeah. I mean, he's as athletic as shortstop as we have in the minor leagues right now. You mentioned the arm. Uh, When he was drafted in 2020, some people thought he should have been a pitcher. And he's kind of proven that, no, he can swing it a little bit too. Um, But he only turned 21 in March. I mean, he was supremely young for the International League. He's going to go through these fits and starts. He's not somebody like Jordan Walker who had torn everything down before him at the other levels, he needed this time at AAA, and even when he moved to AAA, you started thinking, "Okay, when is he going to come? When is he going to come up?" It was difficult to say it was going to be any time before the All Star break, no matter what happened, because I think he just needed to go through those lumps at AAA. His bat is going to be maybe average at best. The power is a little below average, but he had he brings so much value on the defensive side that he can still be a three or four win player at the top level, and that's valuable to have. That's those guys are not easy to find. And if you can develop them and have them in your system for, you know, six, seven years, more than that, if you sign into to an extension, that's, that's how winners are built. Um, so Mason Wynn, yes, he, he may not have gotten off to the start that everybody was hoping for necessarily at Memphis, but I guarantee you the Cardinals thought this was p- possible for him. The bat will come around. It will get to the point where he's like a 260, 270 hitter. And that'll be enough because the defense is so crazy good as everybody's seen so far.
3: He is Sam Dykstra, part of the team at MLB Pipeline. I've always said MLB Pipeline is so important to fans because uh, before MLB Pipeline existed, a lot of the prospecting stuff was behind paywalls and not that people didn't that they did do a good job with it, but I've always felt like MLB Pipeline kind of brings uh, the, the prospects more to the average fan out there and, and educates, and it's a really important thing. Sam is a big part of that. Sam, thank you so much for taking the time. Hopefully we can catch up with you again in the future.
4: Yeah. Anytime. Thanks so much.
3: Very good. There's Sam Dykstra joining us on the program. We are going to uh, switch gears. We're going to talk some soccer coming up in uh, just a moment as uh, City SC gets back at this weekend. Tony Husband's going to be on the call on uh, MLS uh, season pass on Apple TV. We'll get his thoughts of what's going to be uh, taking place this upcoming weekend as City is set to uh, match up against Dallas. We'll do that coming up in just a moment. It's a Bar Sports Open Line here on KMOX.
0: The Gray Bar Sports Open line. Those bit swings and he hits a
3: drive. He hits a slammer. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Back at it on a Thursday evening, a Gray Sports Open line here on KMOX City SC. Kind of been, I wouldn't say petering out. There's certainly been some uh, good performances over the last month or so, but they have not been as consistent in the last month as they were uh, earlier in the year. They've also lost some players, but uh, they're coming off a a 2-1 loss against Portland at home this past weekend. Uh, You look at what they've done. They've only had... um, one just straight win of their last four matches. That was that impressive 5-1 win against Cincinnati. But really over their last five, they lost 1-0 to uh, Minnesota, then lost 3-0 to Seattle. Then they had that good win against Cincinnati. Had the 1-1 draw against uh, Colorado where they could have easily won or lost that game straight up, and then they lose to Portland this past weekend. They're getting ready for a matchup against Dallas, and we're very happy to uh, welcome on to uh, the program the individual who's going to be uh, calling it for uh, MLS Season Pass and Apple TV+. Plus. He is uh, Tony Husband. You follow him on Twitter at Tony Husband. Tony, thanks so much for taking time with us today. How are you?
5: Great to be with you, Matt. Uh, thanks for having me on and very much looking forward to uh, seeing the team down in uh, Texas this weekend.
3: What's your takeaway of their last month plus where uh, they have been nowhere near as consistent as they were over the first really uh, first month and a half or so of the season?
5: Well, I think to be honest with you, you, you ran through the score lines there and that very much just sums up Major League Soccer. I mean, let's not forget, St. Louis City SC made an extraordinary start to life in MLS. They won the first five games. I mean, this is historic stuff. Uh, and this is the kind of stuff you don't see from really pretty much any team in MLS too often to win a streak of five straight like they did. So it's one win in five, as you pointed out, since that amazing start to the season. that got everyone talking about this team and this club and the buzz of soccer around St. Louis, which has been absolutely fantastic to see. But also I'd say, you know, let's just... Have a dose of reality here. This is a first-year team. You know there are still some holes in the roster. Uh, they performed admirably, brilliantly in those first few weeks. There was always going to be some kind of a drop-off. Other teams were going to walk. they could break them down. And of course, things like injuries were going to hit. And they've been without Klaus since they had that draw in Colorado. Um, but you know, one win in the five in their last five games. But that was since playing. I mean, this season, but certainly in the eastwards. So not a lot to worry about. This group is still in a very, very good place, Um, but inevitably there was going to be some drop-off after that start.
3: When you maybe compare what they were doing through their first five compared to what they've done in their last five, is there some things that they can go back to that they were doing better uh, in that first five uh, matches of the year?
5: Well, I think to a certain extent, they had the element of surprise. People did not expect them to come out and be as competitive uh, as they were. A lot of people knew they were going to be playing the brand of soccer that they're playing, a high-intensity, almost chaotic style, in-your-face, high-pressing. But they did it so effectively. And I I think in Major League Soccer, you bring in designated players, and I know St. Louis have made quite a bit thing out of saying, really, that they, they don't have specific designated players everybody to be treated equally on this group. Without doubt, You need to hit on your big signings. Edward Leuven, uh João Klaus. Players like that. Roman Berkey in goal has been outstanding. You know, he's the best goalkeeper potentially in the league, a lot of people would say. Leuven, you know, has come in and been outstanding in midfield. And Klaus came in and scored goals from the get go. And I was talking to Brandy Carnell earlier today, you know, and he said there's been strength around the roster in that nine players now have have scored for them. They're among the highest scorers in Major League Soccer as well. But the big players have hit for them so far. But, of course, they're no longer a surprise. So there is a sense of they've got to get back to some of the things they were doing early on. I think there wasn't the intensity in their performance against Portland last week. Portland went out and very deliberately slowed the game down, frustrated them in front of the home fans. They've got to try and get that intensity back just get the pace in their game back a little bit. But they've also got to adjust to the fact that they've been without Klaus. We don't know whether he'll be back fit this weekend, but he's a big part of the team. So there are different ways to play if you've got Klaus playing or if you haven't.
3: Okay, so you mentioned how Portland tried to slow them down, and you also talked about, about the intensity. Is really kind of setting the tone and the standard and the speed of, of the match, whether or not City can do that, does that come down to being one of the biggest keys on whether or not they can execute what they want to do?
5: I think it certainly can do. I mean, if you look at the game coming up this weekend, you've got a bit of a contrast in styles from a Dallas team who are generally – play in a possession friendly way they like to hold the ball they like to dictate play but they will also put you under pressure so this challenge for St. Louis has got to be to in much warmer conditions than what they've been playing in so far it could be mid-80s when the game kicks off in Frisco on Saturday night can they raise that intensity can they play at that pace and probably for the first time Bradley Carnell as well uh, he's got he's to think about one or two selection issues. You know, who, who are the best fits in certain positions? He played Leuven as a more advanced player last week because he was without Klaus. If he can bring Klaus back, you can drop Leuven back in. There are lots of different options around the, around the team that will affect how they can go out there and tactically how they can tackle Dallas this weekend. So it should be a really intriguing matchup to see how they can do that. And of course, a return to Texas for them because that's where it all started yeah. in Austin with that opening weekend victory.
3: How challenging is it when your depth is being tested as a, as a first year team? Because we can talk about the talent at the top, but it, it does feel like uh, when when you are the first year team, at times you do not have the depth all the way through the roster.
5: Very challenging, and let's not forget that you know Tim Parker is marshaling a, a back four when they generally play four at the the back um, without Joachim Nilsson, the big signing who has not played a minute of major league soccer for them yet. And he's still due to come back from uh, knee surgery soon. You know, they've had players like Kyle Hebert who, you know, were players that couldn't get on MLS rosters and, and they've believed in them and they've been, they've got a response from them, but you know, you have to have uh, a lot of depth to succeed and you have to be able to ride these moments with injuries through a season and you lose two or three key parts and then it becomes more challenging. Now, St. Louis, what they've done so well is they've shown great belief in their roster. They've shown belief in players who maybe others didn't feel were going to be consistent performers at MLS level. Uh, they also gave chances to players who played in St. Louis City 2 last season. And again, they've been proven right in that these players can come in and perform. But the question, I suppose, is you look at somebody like Celio Pompeo who came and scored his first goal in MLS last week, star performer in St. Louis City, two last year. He's got a goal in MLS. Now the question is, can he consistently perform at this level in MLS week in, week out, through what is, really does come, become at times you know, the grind of the summer? We're moving into that phase now. So it's going to get warmer. That's going to be a challenge for their fitness. There's going to be injuries. You know, the, these are the hard yards of an MLS season that we're about to move into.
3: He is Tony Husband. He'll be on the call on MLS season pass and Apple TV this upcoming weekend for City SC. How much have you enjoyed uh, this the MLS season pass and just working with Apple TV and uh, beyond even just the game broadcast, all the content that's being uh, produced on really an everyday type basis?
5: Yeah, it's been excellent, and you know, I think it's something that we all acknowledge. This is new. This is something quite groundbreaking. It's something different. Um, the, the concept of removing blackouts from um, broadcasts so that you can just log on and watch this wherever you want. I think it's all new, it's all exciting, and it's all developing. And we're only in, you know, the first few months of it as well. And I think everybody's acutely aware that this is something that's great to be part of, but it's going to grow and it's going to evolve and it's only going to get better. Um, and So far, we certainly hope people are in, enjoying the broadcast and that ability to be able to just watch wherever you are using whatever device that you you might want to use. And, you know, more and more tools on the app as well. The ability to watch games back in full, the feature content that's telling you the stories uh, of your teams, but also hoping that it educates people about other teams around the league and tells the full story of all the teams in this league uh, as it continues to grow. Uh, and these, you know, these Saturday nights now are frenetic. You know, you've got, at times, 14 games going on across a Saturday night. Lots of soccer, lots of ability to dive in and out of different games, see different teams and some great play. Uh, early days, and certainly we're all enjoying it. And, and you know, we hope that the, the football fans across North America and indeed around the world are, are enjoying the way that we're able to present this league to people now.
3: Tony, really appreciate you taking some time. Hopefully we can catch up with you again uh, down the line.
5: Be a pleasure, Matt. Thanks very much.
3: You bet. Very good, Tony Husband. He's going to be uh, on the call coming up this weekend as uh, City SC. They are in action. If you're watching it, you're watching it on MLS Season Pass. Of course, you'll be able to hear it on our sister station Y ninety eight as well as uh, they're going to match up against Dallas this weekend. He made the point where, kind of, in at least in the state, a big state nonetheless, but uh, in the state where it all got started, as they opened up their season against Austin with that uh, very fun three two victory. All right, we're going to jump back into the Cardinals. In fact, if you want to chime in, we'll be taking your phone calls. We'll take your text messages, your tweets. You can uh, do so. 314-436-7900. 314-436-7900. How are you feeling about the Cardinals right now? What's on your mind? We'll talk to you. And uh, also, next hour, we'll hear from Jose Aquindo, one of the newest inductees or uh, selected for induction, not an inductee quite yet. The ceremony will be coming up later on this summer. But Jose Aquindo is going to join us in about a half hour as the Gray Bar Sports Open line rolls on right here on KMOX.
1: This is the Gray Bar Sports Open line. Those big swings, and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. America's Sports Voice, King
3: of OX. Back at it here on a Thursday. It is a Gray Bar Sports Open line. So we did a little bit of a shorter, extra inning show today. And uh, when we do that, we always want to give you an opportunity to be able to uh, call in, text, tweet about the game. So we've kind of. this segment and our next segment after the news, an opportunity for you to chime in on the Cardinals if you want to do so. You can call, you can text, you can tweet. If you call or text, it's 314 436 or you can tweet at me at Matt Pauly on air. We'll start with uh, Chuck, who's given us a call. Hey, Chuck, you are on Sports Open Line.
0: Thank you for taking my call. You bet. Uh, before the season, I called about three times. I told you my mom, dad, and grandma, and my brother passed away. I was looking forward to this season; that it was about the only thing I have left. But uh, this season has killed me. I'm a die-hard Cardinal fan. I uh, I know Ali; uh, he's the youngest manager. In the major leagues, but to me that isn't a good thing because I think he gets out-coached every other game. Give uh, me,
3: Chuck. Give me an example. If if he if he gets outmanaged, give me an example of where he's been outmanaged.
0: And uh, an- another
3: thing. No, Chuck. Can you hear I, me? Uh, Chuck, I'm talking to you. Yes. Okay. You, you just I, said uh, he. You just said he gets outmanaged. Give me an example of him getting outmanaged.
0: One other thing. Uh, Chuck, I okay.
3: it's a conversation, folks. If if you we're talking back and forth here. That's what we're doing. Let's grab Paul who's given us a call. Hey Paul, you're on Sports Open Line.
0: Hey Matt. Uh great show. Thanks. We, we need it we need these shows more than ever. Um but I I I'm looking at the I tend to look at the glasses half full and it's so early and I have great confidence probably that everything's on the table with Mr. DeWitt and with the brain trust of the Cardinals. But um, I remember August 25th of 2011 um, that the Cardinals uh, had a closed door meeting after they just got the tar beat out of them by LA. They got swept like 11 to one, 10 to five and 14 to two on this day August 25th, 2011, and Chris Carpenter stood up. They had a closed-door meeting with, I think, just the players. I'm not sure if the the manager. And he said, we're not going to go to the postseason, guys, but our fans deserve better than what we've been giving them. And we've got enough respect that we need to finish as many wins over 500 as we possibly can. So starting tomorrow, the focus is completely on winning, even though, it's we're 10 and a half games out of first and it's not going to get us to the playoffs. And little did we know that the Braves would go seven and 17 in September and the Cardinals would sneak in as the wild card. And you know, (laughs) the rest of the story, thanks to Mr. David Fries and company. Um, So I am looking at Bueno's return as driving a stake in the ground and waking up from this bad dream. Um, He may have a rocky first start, but he is such a fierce competitor and such a leader um, that I think Bueno is going to get himself back to quality starts. Jack Flaherty has a vested interest in being the best Jack Flaherty that he can be uh, because this is his walk year, his free agency year, whether he ends up in a Cardinal in the future or not. But he wants to you know maximize his opportunity, and he's going to recover from giving up 10 runs today. Um Montgomery has—it's oh, an injustice how little we've supported him, but he's been our ace, and Miles Michaelis is fine, and he's
3: Paul. I, I got to cut you off—we're right okay. up against the top of the hour, so I appreciate the—I uh, appreciate the phone call and what you're saying. I'll respond to it coming up after the news. We've got a few calls on hold. Uh, we'll continue to let you respond to what's going on right now with the Cardinals at 314-436-7900. That's how you call. That's how you text. You can also tweet at me if you'd like. It's Graybar Sports Open Line right here on K.